This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. Hello again, this is Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. And our podcast today, Leading from the Front, is with the co-founder of Higherbrain. When I first read it, I have to admit that I thought it was Hairbrain, but that's not what it says, it's Higherbrain. We got the opportunity today to talk to a temporal scientist. I've got to check out what that means. And the predictability that they have created in hiring and want to welcome this co-founder in Higher Brain, David Nason. How are you doing today, David? I'm great, Dr. Gary. Thank you so much for having me on. So let's start by uh, explaining to me what this temporal scientist thing means. I'm interested. <laughs> well, uh, I, I grew up in a world of, of scientists. My dad was a uh, microbiology and anatomy physiology professor for 45 years. My brother is a PhD in neurobiology and um, I, I got out of school, honestly, as, as quickly as I could myself, but I have, I've always uh, applied scientific principles and the science, uh, scientific methodology to everything that I do at work. And I came across that uh, term, if you will, a couple of years ago, and it applied really well to myself and that I apply uh, science, not from a uh, theoretical uh, perspective, but a practical perspective and do it at work every day. Well, we certainly need that in business. Uh, sometimes saying scientist in business can turn people off, but uh, if you apply it in the right way in business, it's very, very important. So uh, glad to hear that. Um, so higher brain, uh, talk to me how you got to this point. Where, what, what brought you here to be so focused on hiring? Yeah, thanks. So this was a, a many year journey that brings us uh, to today. I grew up in originally in sales. I was uh, in in services, IT services, sales, uh, and then sales management before I became what was then known as a uh, a headhunter. I, I started at a at a search firm, uh, boutique search firm um, here in uh, the Charlotte area. Um, and after a couple of years, I I thought that I had built a, a better mousetrap, if you will, and decided to strike out on my own, uh, which I did. Um, and, uh, a couple of years into that, um, my, a couple of my clients were bought by Oracle and I got swept up into, into Oracle massive, right. Multinational, uh, huge, uh, conglomerate, um, in the world of, of recruiting. And, um, in the beginning, um, our MO, if you will, was quite frankly, it was, it was simply, uh, butts and seats, putting people in chairs um, as as cheaply as possible. But coming from the background that I came from, I am an insatiably curious individual, and I like to root everything that I do on a daily basis in larger uh, strategy, business objectives, 
And I wanted our organization to be what I termed a extension of our clients uh, business in the marketplace for talent. So that led very quickly into me doing a both studying um, and then putting into practice. My goal was to tie performance and employee satisfaction, which is today really called engagement, which I love that term as well, um, back to the recruiting and the hiring process. That makes sense. So it was a, a multi-year journey that got us to to today. I, okay, but but why? I mean, what got you interested in looking at this more from a scientific standpoint than just, uh, you know, from a gut level value or, uh, you know, we've got some values and we'll do values interviews and hope we get the right people. And everybody knows it's a 50-50 deal. So let's just throw them up against the wall and hope. Yeah. What was the driver? What was the motivator? I totally get that. You know, honestly, if you think about, here's one thing that's been interesting to me from the very beginning is that hiring uh, and a hiring process is approached from a, in a manner that is very different than any other professional business process. Whether you're building a product or selling a product or if you're delivering services, whatever else you're doing um, in a business context um, is, is done well or poorly, but, but according to uh, uh, you know, a program right, and a process and there are goals and a methodology to reach those goals. But Hiring was not, in my experience, and in my experience, this is you know thousands of, of hires globally, wasn't following any professional uh, business processes really at all. Um, you know, what people say that they want to see in a candidate and what they need in an individual to actually to do a job um, are very, very different things. And, you know, your, your question about why, my observation was that there is a there was inherent friction in a hiring process. There's friction between hiring managers and candidates. There's friction between hiring managers uh, and HR and in recruiting. Um, and I wanted to discover why exactly why that was. Um, and that's that led me down this 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 path. Um, I think that people of you know, it's interesting. People that do great things um, are people who want to do things of of substance uh, that matter. And uh, mattering, if you will, uh, is really in the eye of the beholder. Uh, so the why was I wanted to do big things. I, I didn't want to be in recruiting or or you know or or HR per se. Uh, I wanted to move the needle, right? I wanted to sell at the time was a variety of different companies, but where this came to me was at Oracle, right? And I, I wanted when, when Larry Ellison would stand up on stage and say that he wanted to drive 53% uh, margins in sales, I wanted to drive 53% margins in sales. So I wanted my organizations and I wanted the organizations that I supported, the hiring organizations, I wanted to, them to be part of that mission as well. So our MO became to find candidates who had a demonstrated uh, history of selling software at high margins. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. And it, it all makes logical sense. And yet we know that most decisions in our life when we're trying to do big things are because of an emotional connection to something. Uh, I, I get rid of bad bosses because I look back in my history and I see the destruction of bad bosses. That's right. Um, is the motivation that you have now, what, what was the motivator 
in, in your history that really pushed you to make a difference here? Is it just because you want it done better because you're solving a problem? You're, you're putting a puzzle together? Or was there something that happened to you when you look back and you see hiring the wrong person, how destructive that can be uh, to the person that's being hired, to the organization that hires them and to everybody else around them? I mean, what's the motivation? Yeah, you about stole my thoughts right there. Well, tell me the story. There's, yeah. be, there's always a moment when uh, that happens, right? <laughs> when was that moment? When did it happen? It's interesting. So I think of a hiring cycle as having stakeholders, right? So you have, and the two primary ones are the hiring manager and the candidate. And what I saw happening on a regular basis was I saw uh, candidates whose careers were destroyed or at least significantly interrupted um, by a uh, by a bad hiring choice. I saw hiring managers who were, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, some people get promoted into management because they're great individual contributors, right? And let's also be honest in that most companies, and I'll leave out names, you know, for lots of good reasons, they don't train people how to be a manager, how to be a leader. And one of the primary things that a leader or manager needs to do is to hire and to hire well. They can't do everyone's job. And I've seen this countless times where someone has been promoted into management, right? And the thing that they did well was sell or or deliver product or build uh, software, right? Develop software. And so they, they don't know, if you will, how to, how to take that step back, right? Create that vacuum, um, hire somebody who can replace them in the, their daily activities um, in order to be ultimately successful. So it, it wasn't one particular situation. It was not. It was dozens. It was those phone calls from somebody three months into the job. You got to get me out of here. This is a disaster. It was the phone calls from a hiring manager. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe the blank, terrible thing that just happened, you know, from this individual who I thought that they were going to be, I thought they were going to be great, you know? Um, and that's what brought me down the path. You know, most hiring decisions are made within uh, 60 to 90 seconds after a manager meets the candidate, mm. which is astounding, right? It's, it's, it's fascinating, but that's how, that's how our brains work. Our brains are wired to make as many automatic decisions as possible. People talk about bias all the time today, right? It's a big, hot topic. Your biases are your automatic decision-making processes. And so when you're meeting an individual, um, you are sizing that person up both consciously and unconsciously. The challenge is, is that most of those unconscious decisions are made from um, other types of experiences that you've had, and they are really, really poor indicators of success in hiring. And, and as I said before, you know, success in hiring is both performance and employee satisfaction. Yeah, so let's let's go back for just a second to what you said about um, this age-old. We we consistently and even today consistently promote or hire the great individual contributor who knows how to get the job done. We think because they know how to get the job done, then we give them a management position or a supervisory position. What they don't know is how to get the job done with and through others. Yep requires a completely different skill set. So 
what have you done? And, you know, this, again, I, I like Jim, uh, Jim Collins book on good to great. And I've mentioned it before on my podcast about first who, then what, and that's really what you're talking about. If we focus on the who and hire the right people, then, uh, we're going to get a lot further in, uh, in all of our careers and, and a lot happier with it. So you've, you've taken this path where you've learned this thing with higher brain and uh, what have you learned? What do you do that's different? I'd be interested in this predictability in hiring, which is kind of your tagline, uh, would be great because my experience in hiring salespeople with the gut method has been uh, sometimes better than 50-50. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, I'm going to say it's better than 50-50. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I would. Statistically, it's probably between 30 and 40%, but I'm sure you're okay. better than that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think so. But uh, so what, uh, what, what, what advice do you have for leaders in this predictability? Why is your approach different in this process? And Describe that a little bit. And, you know, I want to I want to hear about what's different about it. And I'm sure our leaders would like to hear that. Sure. It's as simple as this, is that most people focus on what they want to see in a candidate. And the key is to focus on what needs to be done and the environment um, in a very real way. What's the environment, right, that they're going to be working in? So that is at the very, at a very basic level, um, that's the pivot. So, you know, if you look at any job, this is interesting too. So we've looked at millions of job descriptions around the world, every culture, every language, you know, structurally, they're almost identical from each other and they are all wrong. They're not a, a job description is not a, it has no corollary uh, effect on success in hiring, which is fascinating. Um, so why is that? It's a rearward facing view and it gets people to focus on what they want to see in a candidate. And if they won't focus instead on what they, what somebody actually needs to do in order to be successful, um, that makes all the difference in the world. So what, what you talk about is the fallacy of what they want to see, which is experience in a job description which is a, as you were saying, a backward looking assessment is wrong because what you want to look at is an alignment between the individual's capabilities for some area of work within the culture and the context of the environment that they're going into. Their values have to align. Their, uh, their person has to be aligned, not just their ability to get something done. So it's a much broader understanding of the individual's fit. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's interesting. So it's in some ways it is actually more tactical than that. So, um, you're right. If, if an individual is not aligned, um, as it relates to values or purpose, um, or motivation, right? There's, there's five keys to success, skills, knowledge, abilities, attributes, and desire motivation. So if they don't have that desire motivation, if they don't have those values, then that's going to be a challenge. But the, it's interesting. Do you, the, it's, it is, uh, the, the secret, if you will, is, is more tactical than that. It is things like, uh, communication style, management style. How often do people meet with each other? What are the expectations of the manager 
in those meetings? Is it formal? Is it informal? How often do they do? Are they verbal communicators? Are they written communicators? Those are the things where when there's friction in a job, it comes down to many times it comes down to to style and a work style, a communication style. Here's what's interesting as well. So one of our studies is on expectations. So uh, um, what we have people do is create effectively a business plan for a job and then describe in as much detail as as, uh, we possibly can about what that day-to-day environment is like. And then after they hire an individual, we ask uh, or we suggest that they actually share that information with the candidate. And if an individual knows what to expect, and if they, maybe maybe someone is a little bit more unstructured generally, but they are working for somebody because they want to do that job, right? They want to work for that company. They want to do that job. They are very aligned with the mission uh, and the values uh, of the organization and what that organization does, right, for the public that it serves. Um, but the person is a, a, is a written communicator uh, and their uh, boss is a more verbal communicator. If they understand that, walking into a situation, then they can modify their style to accommodate their boss and vice versa. So it's really interesting that you say this. I go back to when I was 26 years old and I was coming out of the army and my first interview was with uh, international paper in Louisiana and a great company and a manufacturing company. And at breakfast, the first day of my interview, I remember one of my peers sitting with me saying, now, just let you know a little bit about the way we do things around here. You better be at work before 7 a.m. and you better not leave until 5. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I thought I just got out of the Army. (laughs) I'm really more about, my style is more about results and having a more flexible schedule. And my flexible schedule, when I'm like that, I'll work. 9, 10, 12 hours a day, right. but I don't like to be told I have to work 9, 10, 12 hours a day. So it's kind of a strange thing. I called my recruiter up and he said, well, how'd it go? And I said, well, they're offering me a job. I have three more interviews. I hope I can get another offer because I never want to work there. <laughs> and I had made that filter based on style yep. and never really thought about it until you just talked about it that the reason was not because I didn't like the job or the location or the people or the work. It was everything about their style of management. The plant manager was overseeing a specific paper machine maintenance thing that was going on that day and didn't have time to meet with me because he was involved three or four levels down with a paper machine. I'm like, that is not the culture that I wanted to work in. That's right. So I can see that how important that is, uh, style. A lot of the things that we do in our leadership program has to do with communication style and culture and context, all the things that you're talking about, but I'd never thought about it in terms of hiring. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that person did you a favor, right? Which, you know, can be a little bit too rare. I mean, I, I also advocate that people do exactly as you experienced, right? That there's a role in the recruiting or hiring process for somebody to really explain to a candidate what life is like there because, you know, people take a job because of the money, 
right? Uh, the opportunity that they, their perception of the opportunity. So maybe it's a big logo or, or, you know, variety of different things and their boss, but they quit jobs because number one, they don't like their boss. And number two, they don't like the environment, right? So why do we hide those things from people? Um, I had, I had an experience and, uh, not, not too long ago where I was asked to be involved in, in a recruiting cycle for a particular individual, and uh, I said, okay, you know, and I, I explained to the candidate exactly what the environment was like. And then I told the person that they would be ultimately reporting to exactly what I did. And she was, she was mad at me. <laughs> and I said, I was like, you know, listen, you, you know, the candidate told me that one of, you know, your other uh, people on your team told, told the candidate this was their dream job. They'd never had more freedom. They'd never had more ability to express themselves. I mean, that's the, that is the absolute worst thing in the world to tell an individual. I, I was, I was very real and very transparent. And if that person takes the job, they are going to be so much more uh, prepared uh, to be successful in that environment, because the first time they come across a situation like the one that I described, they're not going to be frustrated or mad. They're not going to have their feelings hurt, right? They're not going to be disappointed. They're going to remember the conversation that they had with me. And they're going to be prepared for that situation. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let me let me kind of summarize uh, a couple of things here that I think that are really salient points for leaders and people that are in this hiring process that you've talked about that are important. Number one is the hiring process that we have today is flawed. We don't have a good process for it. And when I think back on hiring when I was younger, you know, you like you said, you get a job description, you look at resumes, you try to get some matches and experience. You have multiple interviews, your gut, your, your gut says that this person is good for this position or not, and, and you hope that it works out. And what you're saying is we're going about that all wrong. What I'm hearing you say is that we need to look at a kind of a, um, a microcosm of the daily activity, the daily weekly activities that are involved in executing the job, whatever that job is. And see if we can get alignment. And I, I do think that you do a lot in, in strategic alignment in fit with values and their gut level character and all that stuff yep. during the process. However, you take it a whole another level by just what I learned when I went to international paper and said, you got to be here before seven and after five. And that's what my day was going to look like. And I go, man, that does not sound like it's going to be fun. And if I'm running a paper machine, the plant manager is going to be sitting there right with me, you know, day in and day out looking at it. And I'm like, I'm, I like to be autonomous and make my own decisions. So this culture doesn't look good for me. And you're saying that all of that needs to be part of the hiring process. And quite frankly, now that you mention it, I'm not sure I see too many hiring process that include that? I see very few. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes some organizations will put people through what they call the gauntlet, right? Yeah. Where they, we're going to air all of our dirty laundry and we're going to tell them how hard it is to work here. And if they sign up for it, you know, they'll, they will kill or die to be successful. And, um, it's so wrong. <laughs> it doesn't work. You need to be transparent and honest. Um, Here's one of the things that's interesting too, and people, uh, you know, ask me about interviewing. And of course, it's all part of you know our program and what we advocate every day. But transparency, you know, it's interesting. Candidates lie. Shocking, right? No, um, they, they do. Right. They uh, candidates lie. Um, and I'll tell you something else that's shocking. Do companies lie. 
Yeah. Companies <laughs> lie too, you know, in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's fascinating, right? The um, uh, people have heard this behavioral interviewing that's gone back a long time, and 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 most of behavioral interviewing is good, right? Because the only indicator of uh, a future performance is past performance. You know, however, here's what's I- interesting: is if um, the more stress that people are under, the more likely they are to lie. Honestly, the other thing that's interesting is is that. For both parties, um, we found this, and it's fascinating, that people lie unintentionally. Yeah. They lie unintentionally because an interview is a social behavior between individuals. And in a social behavior, especially between strangers, people want to please the other individual. So they're looking for cues from that person, and they're trying to say things that are going to be pleasing. But if a hiring manager creates an environment where they are open, honest, and transparent, um, and both advocate that as well as explain that uh, to an individual, then it it takes some of this, it takes that stress off of that interaction. When hiring managers are open, honest, and transparent um, with a candidate, then candidates will be open, honest, uh, and transparent back. It's not a test, right? You cannot fail. This is either the right thing for us or it's not the right thing for us. And and this process is designed to for both of us to be able to find that out. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about the motivation of uh, looking for a job. I, I always talk about you either moving away from or towards something. You're moving away from a boss or a position that you don't like. You're moving towards a promotion, more money, a new opportunity or both. Or in the worst cases, when you don't have a job, and you're 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 desperate. You you, you have right. your bills to pay. And you got a family to take care of, and and that's when um, the uh, the miscommunication, the misunderstanding, and maybe the outright lying comes in because you're looking for a paycheck. Yep. And uh, the fear is you're not going to get it. So I get that. And you know when people are in the interviewing process, I always tell people it's really a process of sales and marketing. You know, you're marketing yourself to get the interview, and then you're selling yourself to get the job. Yep. And, you know, the old saying is, and I was in sales for a long time and sales, sales leadership, if their lips are moving, uh, <laughs> you got to be careful what they're saying. Right. <laughs> so, and it goes both ways. I joke about it, but I always say the culture, the context and the real situation of a, of a job is not understood to get in the door. I took over as an executive in a company when I was being interviewed, I was told it was a $50 million IT company. And the day I walked in, I found out that they had been going downhill for years. That's what their message was. They were actually 33 million. And when you cut revenue by a third and you had the same number of people as when they had 50 million, we were, we were in trouble. And if I had known that before I walked in the door, I probably would not have taken the job. Right. Yep. Uh, Cause it, it took me a year of my life to turn it around. So, um, it's devastating that that full disclosure. It's being smart, honest around that is really a challenge to be open, honest and not overdo it. I, I would agree. And you know, what's interesting is if you're focused on outcomes, if you're focused on a job, you know, at the end of the day, right. It is a part of a, a larger strategy. So if it's sales, for instance, right, there are goals uh, to be met in the role over time. And if you look at um, historical performance of top 
uh, performers, you can very easily map out a plan of success. If you know that historically people aren't going to sell a deal, let's say an enterprise software, for instance, if we know that they're not going to close a deal in their first six months, right, then what are the things that need to be done and have to accomplish during that first six month period of time in order to reach that benchmark, right? So, and I've looked at uh, thousands upon thousands of different kinds of roles um, in sales and development and product in, in finance. Fascinating, right? That's been asked me before. Well, can you apply this same you know, program to a job in, in, in finance, in banking, in, uh, in franchises? Uh, we have a client and they are a home service franchise company. Um, without naming the name, what they sell window washing and power washing. Um, they are one of the biggest advocates of this program because when they looked at what, uh, when they created a plan for that job, when they thought about what would success look like 12 months in, if I hire somebody who's going to clean windows, right? Um, what are they doing 12 months from now? What does an optimum employee in that environment look like? Create that 30, 60, 90 day plan, right? That is aligned with that 12 month goal. Create that six-month plan that's aligned with that 12-month goal. Create that 12-month plan for an individual. Why in the heck would they want to be washing windows for you in 12 months? Their success is is all was is it's still astounding, you know, to them today because they've created meaning and purpose, right? And when they are interviewing an individual, it's less about selling the heck out of them, right? In this, you know, brutal environment uh, to try to get them to come and, and show up for, for three weeks. Um, they've created a meaningful, valuable role with a plan that an individual can, can follow. So their success rate in, the, in choosing the right people is 500 times better than it used to be. But, and their retention rate their six month and 12 month retention rate went from, you know, one out of five to one out of three and then one out of four. And, uh, and so huge. when I think, when you asked me earlier, you know, what, what, what's the why in it for you is when I think about what I have always wanted in a role or in a job, I'm applying that same thing. I want meaning. I want purpose and value. I want to do something that, that matters, right? At the end of the day, you want to go home. You want to tell your friends, you want to tell your friends that you wash windows or that you fold clothes um, or, you know, it's kind of cool to sell software, you know, um, but is it cool to sell software for a lesser known brand or something like that? I mean, maybe it's not, but there's a reason that that company exists, right? And people of substance want to do something that, that matters and you can create that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does make sense. And I want to I want to end it on that because uh, we have um, this this idea all the time now where we need to have a greater purpose to get engagement of our employees and understand what that is. And to kind of finish the story, I went to talk to you about international paper. I ended up working for Procter and Gamble in Green Bay, Wisconsin, because they had a three month training program. It helped me transition from the military into the corporate world. I saw that as an opportunity for me to uh, take that transition and take the opportunity to learn and grow. They were 
uh, slower with expectations and goals and objectives over that time. You, I, I actually, my job for three months was to train. I did not have any goals or objectives except to learn. Yep. And like you were saying, uh, with all the work that I've done on sales teams that I've done both as a consultant, but also as VP of sales for multiple companies is I would bring salespeople in and I would say, let's make sure we understand something. If you sell something in the first six months, it's luck. You just got lucky. And yep. I was in IT sales and the software and the things that you're talking about. And that's the first thing. It's luck. So if you sell something, don't tell me, don't start thinking you're a superstar. And you've got it all figured out. There's a process to this and we're looking for you to hit a goal in a year and to make progress towards that because what people need to understand and they need to hear this achievement of goals is not the most motivating thing in the world. Progress is progress towards goals, having activities, having a plan, having a process to help these new employees that you help hire achieve success. As you said, because success is different than objectives and goals. Success has more about that outcome that is a natural outcome instead of a measurable one, a natural outcome of learning, of satisfaction, of being part of something, of being engaged, that feeling that these followers have, that we have the opportunity to impact by first what you have committed your life to, David, in higher brain is to hire the right person and then to be able to have these people contribute in a way that's part of a community, part of a purpose, part of a culture and a context that they like, that they enjoy, that they're satisfied in. And I, I got to say one last thing is people talk about millennials and, you know, they don't work hard enough and they do that. They've got all these prejudices and I've done a video on this in the past. And I often think they want something of meaning. They want something that uh, is uh, engaging to them. And they want to work, uh, you know, 40 to 45, maybe 50 hours a week and not overdo it. Well, you know, I, I don't think that's wrong. I think that's, that sounds like a fulfilling life because we've got other things in our life that we need to consider. And uh, maybe um, sometimes when we have challenging times that uh, we go through, we need to consider a rebalance in our lives. So uh, let's keep all of those things in mind. David, I, I want to thank you for your insight, your thoughts, and you opening my mind to recognizing this new process uh, of, uh, of hiring people. And if anybody wants to get a hold of David Nason, hirebrain.com, H-A, sorry, H, I almost said hairbrain, <laughs> didn't I? I love it. H-I-R-E-B-R-A-I-N.com hairbrain.com. Uh, it's a hairbrain idea, hardbrain, hairbrain. I don't know. I think I got it right though. And we'll make sure that uh, people can find you, David. Thanks so much for your time and your, your wisdom today. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much for having me on. Thanks. Hey, David, I want to thank you again for being on the program. And if anybody wants to uh, learn more about David's uh, work in his life, hirebrain.com, H-I-R-E-B-R-A-I-N.com. Go to that website, check it out, and maybe he can help you increase your retention and your success in hiring people. It's the most important thing that we can do is to hire the right people. David, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you. Have a great day. And this is... This is Dr. Gary, 
making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thank you so much for listening once again to Leading from the Front. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com, S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S.com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.